and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, November 26th, 2020, otherwise known as Thanksgiving. This was a pretty easy one. I didn't even have to look that up. Wow. Good job, I know Chris. my holidays. Fourth well, of happy th- some Thursday of the month. Happy Thanksgiving to all the Americans out there. That's oh, yeah. probably, <laughs> I wonder in other countries if everyone's like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving today, but we don't celebrate it. Well, you know, I mean, I know Canada has their Canada own Thanksgiving. Has Thanksgiving. Has their own, yeah. There's just happened. That but, makes sense. Wait, what did Ben say? I didn't hear him. Same Y'all thing. said the same okay. thing. Okay. Canadians, we know them. But yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure every country has like a similar version of a day to appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And hey, everyone that's negative about Thanksgiving, y'all can get out of here. Go spend some time with your family or something. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. But what are y'all working on this week? Yeah, what have you guys are you got getting going? some time in the shop or, or are you guys planning on traveling, seeing family? Like what is y'all's Thanksgiving looking like? I'll be here working. What, well, you go first, Ben, then I'll go. Not traveling. Thanksgiving is normally the biggest holiday for my siblings and parents. But, you know, I think the we didn't think the risk was worth it. My parents are you know, in their late 60s, early 70s. I had been doing some traveling. I just got a to- COVID test back actually right before we started recording. Negative, but you know, the incubation window is pretty long. Right. And a few friends of mine have been getting it young, healthy people, you know, in their mid twenties and are, are, are really struggling despite their assertions that they would be fine. So I think we're going to just do a zoom Thanksgiving and then we'll see how the sort of landscapes looks around Christmas, Christmas. but I think it's probably, I think we're going to see a point about two weeks after Christmas where about three or 4,000 people are dying a day. And, you know, which is probably going to be the, it's actually probably going to be worse now for COVID, it seems like, than it was like early on, just because people are inside, colder weather combined with other sort of like seasonal things. So I think we're going to try to play it a little bit cautious and kind of hope for the best for Christmas. That's what we'll all wish for this Christmas. Come on, Santa, yeah. make it happen. So still plenty of things to be thankful for. And I think, you know, it was funny. I talked to my parents and, you know, obviously everyone's disappointed because Thanksgiving, I mean, Mike, you've been there, like Thanksgiving at my parents' house is like the big... It's the bomb. That's where I've been at for the past two Thanksgivings. Right. It's like, it's it's fantastic. It's like, a, it's just the immediate family and then it's all the sibling fr- friends. Yeah. Of all. And Everyone like, gets a plus one. Yeah. And there's like, <laughs> it's just a great day. I mean, everyone's eating. We just hang out in the backyard. There's a fire pit. But I think what, it, like, I'm the, the thing I'm most thankful for is that we do have these things that is going to really suck to miss. But, yeah, all the, it's just going to make next year's all that much better. Same thing with like Thanksgiving this year. So yeah, you know, I think not, not trying to tell anybody else what they should do. Everyone should make their own decisions, do what they feel is comfortable for, for themselves and for their family. You know, it's going to suck, but come back stronger next year. So you're going to be just like working right through the break then? I might take a day off and like pop a couple edibles and eat a turkey or something still. <laughs> Yo, we <laughs> should deep fry a turkey, Ben. I just thought of yeah. that. We should get one well, of those big ones and do it in the driveway. Right? We should cook one in the forge. We are. Yeah, that is a good Let's idea. blacksmith a turkey. Yeah, we're going to cook it at 3,000 degrees. We're going to sear <laughs> it real tasty. fast. 
Yeah, man. Thanksgiving this year, I could only imagine, you know how people always talk about, like they have their jokes where it's like, oh, Thanksgiving conversations, you know, because everyone's got a crazy uncle or something like that. Could right. you imagine Thanksgiving conversations this year in that mm. type of family? Maybe it's a good thing we're not all getting together. Hey, if you got an explosive family, this is a good year to skip. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I think as long as the conversations are what you're actually thankful for, that normally is not like a negative thing, unless you're like, I'm thankful that Joe Biden wiped the floor with that. You know, I mean, that would be like the passive aggressive way. But I feel like if the actual focus, a holiday around gratitude is such a great idea because there's like nothing that makes you feel better than when you're actually acknowledging gratefulness. Like no matter how much you have, like a sense of gratitude will will probably help you if you can if you can actually figure out how to feel it so yeah i I always hear those stories about the controversial thanksgivings and other than my brother and sister occasionally arguing not jesse but like my other brother and my other sister emily normally we're like we're pretty good have you guys had those have you had like the crazy oh for sure yeah i don't i don't i don't think that ever happens in like my immediate family but we typically do two thanksgivings the one with like it's sort of like my grandparents and all their their kind of lineage but then there's the extended family one at another relative's house and that's the one where it's got everybody but there's like 50 people there of course it's going to be a uh a healthy mixture of opinions college students and their conservative (laughs) uncles you know so it always turns into something funny because listen combustible mix because joe biden might have wiped the floor but also it could have been large scale fraud. So we're all going to figure out as the investigation. Oh, I, I wasn't saying that as like a thing. Out. I was saying that as like as no, but that's that what I'm could talking like about. Argue about, yeah, yeah. I know, but that's what I'm talking about. Is like someone will come out and be like, yeah, it looks like Joe Biden over here, and then yeah, then yeah. someone else is going to come in just as charged, excited to argue. Yeah, my my point was like I've seen people like use gratitude to really make like a passive aggressive uh, jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, like, exactly. People are sneaky. Yeah. I'm just so glad the right side won. I mean, correct <laughs> yeah, yeah. side, you know, whatever they say. Exactly. So and that's probably actually like way more infuriating to people than just like an outright attack. The kind yeah. of. Well, you got to figure out how you can attack back. You can't just be straight right. mad. You got to be like, wait, was that nice or mean? But yeah, we got Black Friday so. this year, too, we, or this week as well. So if anybody's oh. buying tools out there. Strap up. I know Plug Phones is running a really big de- seal. Er, wow. Deal? Edit point. Chop, chop, chop. <clears throat> no Sorry, way, man. Richard. If my, if my negative stuff has to be kept in at the top of last week's episode, you got to uh, keep yours in. They're having a okay, big fine. seal. Okay, Richard, do not edit that out. <laughs> I apologize for even thinking about it. Not a steal, a sale. That's right. You could steal from Plug Phones, but they will seek <laughs> conviction. I don't <laughs> it's know. It's such what a that, good I don't deal. Know. It might as well be stealing. How yeah. about that? <laughs> oh, there you go. Plug Phones is running a great sell. Ariat, who I'm starting to work with now, is also running a good sell. And, you know, as always, every tool company, when it comes to, you know, everything at Home Depot is always on sale. So check it out. But mostly yeah. Plug Phones, discount code Modern Builds. If any listeners, are out, listeners out there happen to stumble upon a PS5 and you want to sell it to me at cost, I'd be glad to buy it from you. Ooh. Are those things really hard to get still? Or? Yeah. When you go, I, can you buy two of them? I don't know. Maybe if they have mm. their wife or husband or kids with them, they could. Yeah. We're really big into local area <laughs> networks where we're big into LAN servers. So we need a lot of consoles. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's funny with like the Black Friday sales. I think one of the things that's helpful is to actually, if you are like waiting for them is to have like a price target on like what you actually need. 
So people always ask me about tools and when to buy and stuff like that. I'm like, do your research, have an average price target, you know, sort of saying I expect to pay $60 for a drill. Or if you want like brushless, I'm going to pay $90 for, for a good one. Have a price target. And so that way when you see the sales, you can make a decision quickly because you know it's below your target. That's why it's just good to have an active wish list in your brain. That way, if you ever stumble upon it at the right time, you can just take advantage. Yeah. But yeah, check out all the, it is a good time to get tools. Probably not a great time to get lumber. I was just reading no. and I just, and I just tweeted it out. It was an interesting article from Fast Company, which is, it's like reasonable journalism, but it's like kind of on like the popular mechanics or popular science level, still like pretty easy to read, but mm-hmm. it's not quite the economist or or something more hard hitting, but they sort of talked about the lumber industry and how much is struggling for like a variety of factors that are all overlaid on top of each other. One, we've had these really bad fires, which have destroyed a lot of both lumber supply and have actually wiped out a couple major lumber mills in California and Oregon. Oh yeah. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah. COVID has, you know, slowed down the production And then the trade war with China has reduced the demand. So they're kind of getting hit on all fronts. This, their output is lower, which is hurting them. And then the importing is lower. So they're kind of all, for lack of a better term, log jammed on so many ways. But what's interesting about the article is they kind of outlay a, a fact that I think is somewhat relevant to what we do. So China buys is the single biggest purchaser of logs and forest products from the U.S., and then the U.S. imports it back from China as finished, finished furniture yeah. <gasps> because of sort of the, the differential in labor. So when you think about what we do, you know, I wish there was more direct-to-consumer <laughs> lumber companies that were selling kind of, you know, logs and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it does make sense as lumber gets more expensive, you know, you know it's going to be frustrating on some things. It's I'm interested to think if people will dabble more in metalwork or other mm. materials that maybe haven't gone up as much or turn more towards sort of like pallets or things like that that are that are more labor intensive but what's interesting is that there isn't a lot of competition in the u.s from sort of domestic furniture manufacturing and i think that's maybe why the diy game is so strong but it made me really wonder like what the the diy industry is in like some of these other countries where labor is really inexpensive right yeah, I'm sure it happens at the rural kind of poor level in other countries, but I'm curious if like the upper middle class is even dabbles in it the same way they do here. It, I would suspect that it's that there might be like this time away. So I always think that like it, you know in America it was that people had that part of them satisfied up until fairly recently when you look at like, you know, historical timeline and people got away from like really like using their hands, at least like, you know, out of necessity. Right. Right. And at a like mass level, like obviously there's still plenty of people who work the trades and all that kind of stuff. But I always feel like that's like what caused the resurgence of it is like time away. And so Mm. if a company's, you know, industrial evolution is 30 years behind us or whatever, like maybe that sort of sentiment is coming 30 years later than it came here or maybe it would be accelerated but that's kind of would be my gut my uh you know no real science there, just kind of gut opinion or thoughts towards it Hmm. so what are you guys working on other than 
investigating global trade right. in the lumber industry. Man, yeah. so I, I put out that video that I talked about a couple of weeks ago for the miter saw. Remember when I, I had oh, yeah. the audience, got feedback. So I used all the feedback. Thank you again, everybody who fed back, basically categorized everything and tried to respond to those things. And I would hope that anybody who watched the whole thing would agree with what my sentiment was, which was that there's no one right way to do it. I don't personally use a miter saw in my shop. I find that I can do everything without it. But that in the beginning, I assumed I needed it and I bought it. And I spent like 400 bucks on it or whatever. And hopefully I can save somebody from doing that same thing. That was kind of my sentiment going into it. You'd be surprised how pissed people get when you tell them not to spend money on something. You would think it would be the other way around. That like if you said, you got to have this tool, you got to buy this tool, people get pissed. It's the opposite. It's if you tell them you don't need this tool and they've already bought it. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> it's the people I would guess that the vast majority of people that were upset were mm-hmm. people that already own a I mean, miter saw. You can tell that the vast majority are people that did not watch the video because it'll it'll be like, what are you talking about? I break down two by fours for construction and framing walls all the time. And I'm like, yeah, in the video we say, that's an excellent use for somebody to have a miter saw. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't make sense for sheet goods relative to a sled on a no. table saw. I'm actually, I don't use it too often because even for two by fours the on construction sites, I normally just use the circular saw right. and the speed square because it's, those things are always with me and I don't want to walk the two by four over to the miter station. I'm actually going to use the miter saw relatively soon though because I have to process a bunch of two by sixes because I'm making a wooden hot tub. Right. Hey. Yeah, see, that's like a great example for it. Right. And and I mean, that's what, and, and that's the other thing is like, I'm not saying like it's this terrible tool and you can make all the bets, the cuts better other ways. It's just like, you know, somebody that's wanting to make furniture and get into this, I would say, put that money elsewhere. I think that the, the rule should be, if there's a redundancy in function, you really got to think about the frequency of specific applications. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the sort of comparison is, to a certain extent, a lot of tools are redundant to each other, but if there's enough applications that justifies the specialization, they're a good purchase despite that redundancy, right? Yeah. So, I hardly ever use a drill press. Mike, do you you hardly ever use a drill press, right? Not very often. So, for our particular set of applications, it's too redundant to a handheld drill and we don't have enough specialty applications where we need to drill perfectly straight down on a flat bed. Right. Whereas other people, it's an essential part of workflow where that's, you know, especially if you're drilling through a lot of metal, doing that handheld all the time is kind of sucks. So especially upside down. It's thinking about mm-hmm. redundancy is not necessarily a terrible thing. It just needs to be considered relative to how many times will you use the competitive advantage embedded in that redundancy. Yeah. People would still be pissed even if I put it that eloquently. Yeah. Mike, it looks like you're putting out some uh, content about the new house. Congrats. Even though we've known for a while, but (laughs) like, it's really exciting to see the grand unveiling. I feel like I don't have to like accidentally spill your secret anymore. I know. There's no more tippy-toeing around it, right? Yeah. It was funny. I had a lot of people messaging me. They loved the analogy of my content feed being constipated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just like, got just some got this, 
yeah, I just got this backlog of content that's like just jammed at this bottleneck for lack of better terms. Yeah, it feels good. You know, just like when you're constipated, it feels good to finally get moving. <laughs> and God, it feels great because it's just fire content that I knew would perform well and was excited to share, but just wasn't in a position to yet. And, you know, if it was just eh, things that, you know, take it or leave it, things that I wasn't so excited to share, it wouldn't be such a bad thing. But I was sitting on this content knowing it was going to be, you know, fire. So I'm excited to have that released. Everything's going to be in Instagram highlights if people need to catch up either on the house tour or what's going on with the bus. But it's fun. The stories are, are super busy. Are you also doing a house tour on YouTube? Yes. So me and Brett, Skull and Spade, happy belated birthday. It was his birthday this week. We filmed a full house tour using the new Sony. What's that new camera called, Ben? A7 A7 S. Correct. That with the new DJI Ronin gimbal. So I have basically the, the ultimate as rig steady as, it as can of be. now. Yeah, six months from now when everything is new, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be that great. <laughs> Once but for that now, A7 IV comes up. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we hooked up that camera, which has incredible in-body stabilization. When you're just holding it handheld, it is about 80% as good as what you would get out of a gimbal. It just doesn't have the adjustments for like the, uh, right. the super big motions. But any of those small hand shakes and whatnot totally smooths them all out. And then on top of a... And then putting that on a gimbal made buttery smooth shots it was really fun nice. came out to be a 10 12 minute video i go into all the pros the cons what i bought it for we walk around the property i show the new shed that i'm turning into the workshop and you know it's it's a fun video it's not like some kind of crazy thing but i remember whenever you released the house tour of the one that you and jesse are renovating ben like i remember mm. that video was fun you were sort of doing a gimbal and it was almost like a reaction video to your own footage right we were like picture in picture. Right. And then this one is a little bit more of a walkthrough. So it's a little bit different. But, it, you know, I liked your video when you released it. And I it seemed like a lot of other people liked it also. So hopefully this taps into that. It's interesting. It's interesting when we switch from instructional content, which is what I think your sort of DIY projects are yeah. mostly. Some no, of them is, aren't yeah. really replicatable for, for people in different circumstances. But for the most part, that's what we do. The when you switch to something like this, it's sort of a different challenge because it's more empathetic and aspirational content, but it's inherently from your POV. No one else is going to buy this house, but and it was it was entertaining and interesting because one, the audience knows you and you know presumably likes you. But <laughs> I think you did, and I saw a preview of this. I think you did a good job of kind of explaining the thought process, which isn't direct instructional, but it does help people help organize their thoughts, I think. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that are going to need to change between, you know, taking down walls to replacing finishes. There's big things and small things. And I kind of go into what the general plan is because I knew it would be the most common thing. So I figure let's do the tour instead of do a tour and then have to do some kind of follow-up question and answer. I tried to just think, what are all the possible questions someone would have if they know a little bit of the story and let me give them the rest? Because I know every everybody sees like 20% of our content or 50% of our content. Right. I say this all the time. The podcast homies are the true are the true homies. They're the ones that pretty much know everything we're up to. They're the real MVPs. Right. But... <laughs> 
aside from the podcast listeners, I'm doing all of this content where the timelines are crossing over a little bit between buying the house and then a month later painting the bus and having that content come out simultaneously. No one's calling it out except for people listening to the podcast because they're in the know. But anyone on the outside sees it as normal stuff. So I'm glad I'm able to push it out pretty seamlessly. Maintain the illusion. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I guess that's it. I'm going to have the video of the charging coffee table out this week also. Sorry for the delay. Sponsor approval and revisions sometimes do that. So... I am posting some of the projects from my semi-exact visit. Oh, no. oh that's when you posting. did that bedroom in a weekend or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with just the bed video itself. And then I think the desk and the rest of the furniture stuff that it was all built in one weekend will come out a little bit later. I think I might sort of slot in some sponsors opportunistically, but they might want to go live and... December. Everyone wants to go live first week of December. Right. I might be posting like four videos <laughs> yeah. in the, the first two weeks of, of September. But the bed of video should be out by now. And awesome. it's great. We're launching a new product. It's the first product that, you know, one of the three of us designed that's now going to be for sale for semi-exact. And it's going to be the first of many. I'm so excited. It's going to be big. This is the This is our big step into next level stuff. Right. And what I like is that I've been doing so much metal work, but I know not everyone in the audience has metal working equipment. So now it's like I designed these brackets for a previous project. We adapted them. We improved them. We went through about three or four iterations. And now they're just like all dialed in and other people can just buy these. It's a nice option, especially if you're tired of using like hairpin legs and want something that looks a little bit different, but it's still like heavy duty and steel. And... With these steel brackets and a circular saw, drill, and orbital sander, you can make a whole bunch of different bed options that are, are pretty sick looking and for way cheaper than something like Floyd or or anything like that. So, Yeah, I'm hype on everything we're doing with Semi-Exact. I love the concept of ready-to-build furniture rather than this concept of flat pack or ready-to-use furniture or whatever they say, ready-to-assemble furniture. Right. It's the idea of like... It's that most people don't want to buy a whole welding rig to be able to make cool legs, but they want that they want that end result. So this is that thing that enables it. And it's not taking away from what people are building. It's only adding on to it because what people are building are still integral to the process. It's not like just here, screw this, this and that and say you built it. You've got to really cut the wood. You get to do it to the proportions that you like, but you get to build something that you probably don't have the capacity to do if you're just a casual DIYer. Right. And you really nailed it from like the satisfaction of authorship standpoint. There's a little more of an imprint on it. But from a value standpoint, I would add, I actually like things like Butcher Box way more than I do Blue Apron because you're getting just the important part, just the key yes. ingredients, the beef, right? Like mm-hmm. you're getting the good meats. <laughs> Whereas with like Blue Apron, it's still great. It's a great service, but you're getting a lot of filler stuff that you might already have in the cupboard, like all these seasonings and other things. And to be honest, you're paying someone to prep all your vegetables and all of your sides for you instead of handling that yourself. So I really like that. I think a butcher box is a better catalyst for a great meal that you can sub in your own things. Blue Apron's amazing for if you really don't know how to cook anything. You want something that kind of looks like a finished meal. Yeah. So what I think is cool about Semi-Exact is they're not trying to sell you an Ikea kit of furniture, which would have like really thin light gauge steel that would bend a lot of particle board. You're saying, hey, 
here's this heavy-duty, beefy pieces of steel that'll last a lifetime, powder-coated, made in the U.S., Mm -hmm. and then you go cut up your plywood or two-by-four or hardwood, whatever you want, and add that to this catalyst. Yeah, exactly. Here's the raw ingredient. There's an obvious thing you can do with it, or Uh you can do whatever you want. Make a freaking hot dog, uh, what was it? Hot dog sloppy joe. (laughs) remember that from a few weeks ago i do all right yeah and like so with semi-exact we've launched with legs for like table legs we've got a sofa as well as the bed kits that you designed ben that's the first thing that as as a group we're collectively bringing out yeah the sofa kits are are, might be a few more weeks away yes but we'll have the bed kits and then they also have all these great table leg options it's bomb i'm so excited for it because this is sort of the start of it so once we get this proof of concept with the idea of like hey if we design something we create the promotion around it and partner with people that manufacture better than anyone else that we know, then it's just a win-win for everybody. And it's right to the people that are watching. It's like straight from the manufacturer that we're working with and know personally and are friends with to the people that are building with it. It's as short of a stream as you can get. Boom. A short, right. tight stream. But now, a message from our sponsors. Indeed. Today's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is sponsored by ConvertKit. ConvertKit is the all-in-one platform to help you easily market and sell your digital products online. ConvertKit's free plan helps creators like you turn your passions into a full-time career by growing your fan base, promoting your work, and building a meaningful relationship with your audience. You can share your work with your fans by building a custom landing page in minutes, which can showcase your work and your upcoming projects. It's what people can find you through Google on. ConvertKit's email designer helps you create beautiful simple emails that help turn your casual audience into true fans. Writing personalized and professional emails about your work and process helps connect you to your audience. Basically, ConvertKit helps creators earn a living by doing what they love, with tools to help promote your work, sell products, and announce new projects to your fans. So make sure and go to ConvertKit.com ModernMaker to sign up for a free account and find your audience faster. Seriously, guys, if you sell a digital product online, whether you're a photographer, a writer, maybe you want to sell some woodworking plans, hint, hint, ConvertKit allows you to do this all in one place the best way. So one more time, that's ConvertKit.com slash ModernMaker to learn more. So for people that hate their phone bill and are ready to cut ties with big wireless, Mint Mobile offers premium unlimited plans for just 30 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile is passing these savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. For us, we just had to switch out a SIM card. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. So break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for $30 a month. So to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and have it shipped right to your door, go to mintmobile.com slash modern. That's mintmobile.com slash modern. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to $30 a month at mintmobile.com slash modern. 
All right. So I figured we'd just continue with some questions that the listeners were nice enough to send in last week. Still got plenty to go through. Well, so I, got, I got one we'll sort of light topic first that I thought was interesting. Okay. So I was in cool. New York recently and it's starting to get cold. And you know how like restaurants are now all trying to move their eating outside? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They've just made the inside outside? Well, yeah. They start, so they start, like at first it was just like kind of like some chairs during the summer. <laughs> yeah. And then they right. put up Let's some put like, roof and walls some on planters, this. right? Some planters <laughs> to kind of like create space or some little fences. Yep. And then they started putting walls with, and then yeah. they started putting roofs. Yep. And then they started putting plexiglass windows. And now they're just these like makeshift buildings on this <laughs> yeah. street. It's just a lean to outside like, of the real building. Yeah. <laughs> what if we breathed into each other's mouths? It's like, now it's worse. There's been a lot of kind of like, handy kind of makery people that have been getting a lot of work doing these things. And some of the ones that I saw were really cool. Oh, I bet. Like, there's one that I saw where it's all like a four by fours, but staggered. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like a four by four and then a four by four gap and then another one. And they just kind of like screwed them all together. Yeah. I, I don't really want to do a project like that, but it definitely made me think of a lot of ways that it could be done. Yeah. That's the funny part. It's like, everybody's got these things and it's getting cold. So now they're just butting on a but, button them up and, or sorry, buttoning them up and insulating yeah. them and closing them off more and terrible. more and more. Like you're defeating the perfect. Yeah, it's right? inside. <laughs> so I did think of like, if I was to design one, what would I do? And I think I would have to make the front, you need, you want good airflow. Yeah. Airflow seems to be like the things like get the fresh air in. People spit a lot when they talk, especially people like Mike sometimes when he's really excited and had a few drinks, but no yep. big deal. So like closing that all in. So airflow is really good, but people get cold. So I think we need to make heated furniture. Mm, I agree. So I've invested in a couple of companies that have been researching this. They're taking too long with their R&D because they're trying to do like a really sophisticated way. Yeah. So I ordered some like Get some car seats. mats. Yeah. And I'm going to try embedding them in concrete. Oh, Let's nice. do it, bro. Or like some sort of upholstery. That's so cool. I'm excited to hear how that turns out. What did you say the the heating element is? So I guess they make these mats. They're, they look like rubber mats that you would stand on, like anti-fatigue mats, mm-hmm. but they have a plug coming out of them and an electrical Ooh. resistance wire going through them. So it goes into a normal socket. And it warms up. So the idea is if you're working in a factory that you can't heat the whole factory because high ceilings, maybe there's like, you know, it's open to the elements. So I guess people will get these mats. They're about $50 for about a 16 inch wide by 38 inch long mat, about half an inch thick of rubber with an electric thing. Cool. Smells absolutely fucking terrible when you plug it in because it's like (laughs) hot rubber. Mm, Yeah. My favorite. But the idea is that you stand on them and it sort of keeps the worker warm while they're like standing in one place. Plus it's like a little bit of rubber if they were standing on concrete. So I'm going to try embedding one of those into a concrete bench. If that goes well, then I'll look at the more sophisticated options Yeah, and see if I can do it where it's, I think the real move, the tight move would be to like put them into the cushions. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're sitting into a warm cushion that kind of like wraps around you a little bit. Yeah. And I think that would be like, kind of kind of amazing i think that would be so sick i'm picturing like an outdoor table like a warm tabletop too just seeing people mm-hmm. laying just laying on, on it, it just well no up. for the table you do it on the underside because oh, your yeah. legs oh, are okay. under the table so it'll radiant heat down yeah so you'd put a reflective barrier between the heating element and the top of the table so it redirects most of the heat 
down towards your legs yeah. rather than having one of those like giant propane umbrellas of death, like just like looming over you on fire. Did you guys grow up in houses where you had like the floor vent? Oh yeah. yeah. You ever yeah. used to get, get up, get over that thing in a towel and just let it push yeah. that air up into you. Yeah. yeah. Just oh, I never really did vent, it with man. a towel. That's <laughs> great. Straight I out always the shower, like, baby. I would always just open the pant or the shorts leg over it. You know, <laughs> I didn't have pants on. <laughs> Well, I recognize that right, now. Keep it clean, Chris. All right, sorry. <laughs> so that was, my, that was my one last thing. So, well, good topic. You got any idea for a heated furniture? I think it's an interesting one. And also, I just think it could be a lot of fun. So, it's a way to add a, a level of function and one more reason to make things custom. For mm. sure. Keep warm. All right. So, we'll start with a heavy one. Ready? Oh. Would you rather have to put mayonnaise or mustard on everything you eat? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> Two bad choices. I'll just go mustard. I'm I agree. I think I could get used to mustard. Yeah. Desserts would be the thing that would make me consider mayonnaise, even though I despise mayonnaise. Like, I'm not a mayonnaise fan at all. Tell yourself it's whipped cream. But, like, mayonnaise, <laughs> like, if you take, like, a chocolate, like, a nice chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Throw some mayo on What would on be there? worse on it? Like, one spoonful of mustard or one spoonful of mayonnaise? <laughs> Yeah. I think in this scenario, I would just be deciding food is no longer something I get to enjoy. I would just <laughs> it's eat pastrami only sandwiches all the time. Yeah, yeah, mustard mustard on there. I, do, I do like mustard. Mustard's, mustard's, mustard's good. Mustard's yeah, good. you would just find your, you would find your few things that mustard goes <laughs> yeah. great with and then just never really experiment outside of that. Mustard and chocolate chip cookies. All right. Yeah, because like we, mustard we, and ice we, cream we is the worst. We do need to have the Modern Maker Podcast Restaurant. cookout soon where we just do like sloppy joes. Yeah. Like hot hamburgers and hot dog buns. Yeah, we should have <laughs> like, a restaurant that'll have the best heated furniture, but the worst food. Yeah, dude, you'll I be think sloppy warm, Joe sound really yeah. good. I want. I'm down Mike, for let's sloppy do a Joe. Sloppy Joe night soon. I haven't had sloppy Joe since I was a kid. You so guys should get some like turkey ground it. beef and make turkey sloppy Joes for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know what? I also, I'm not against it. I also hadn't I hadn't season had season. spam since uh, since I was a kid until we had eaten it recently, and I loved it. So let's go revisit it's, some childhood classics. Mm. Yes, yeah. fried spam with or spam fried rice. Yeah. super good. I did great. All right, sweet. Here we go. Next question. Tiago Castroneves says, "What tools to buy after quote beginner woodworker list?" I've got you. A what thickness you planer. Yes. Thick, yeah, thickness planer. That's like the the true entry into like intermediate woodworker. Yeah, agreed. <sighs> yep, it'll just save you so much kind of headache in terms of sacrificing design over material. You get to you get to invert it to where now the material works for what you want it to look like, rather than making it look like what the material right. kind of constrains you to. It lets you elevate dimension lumber too. Yeah, it mm-hmm. lets you still work with inexpensive things, which are appropriate when you're in the beginner level, and you know you don't want to waste a lot of money on materials until you really have your talents developed. So a planer lets you plane down two by fours, two by eight stuff like that, turn them into flat boards, and then you have dimensional stock that can kind of represent with the square edges what it's like to work with finished lumber. So it's a great way to get you ready for the next level of fine woodworking with expensive materials. Nailed it. Yep. There it is. All right. Why use a slot head screw instead of a Phillips head screw? Well, first now, off, is I'm a, a slot I'm a head screw. Is that a, I think it's a flat it, head. That's a standard. I haven't used either one like very often. Like I, I really mostly use star head screws. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that T25. And then T25. occasionally I use square head drive. And then 
I do use Phillips for like pan head screws mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but mostly I'm star head. Yeah, they just don't strip like Phillips head stu- screws do. And they look nicer. Yeah, I the, agree. The one thing I could think of for a flat head screw was like there's usually ones that are a little prettier looking. So like if it was going to be something that was exposed and you were using it for an aesthetic reason, then maybe you mm. would go with it. But other than that, yeah, I don't I don't know why you would well, torture yourself. This is actually something I want to bring to Maker Brand soon is fancy screws. We yeah. talked about this a while ago. I remember that, that was kind of like our... I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's, it's a pretty heavy duty level of manufacturing. Yeah, I would assume so. To produce screws at scale. Like the machines that produce like the deck screws that you get at Home Depot are freaking enormous. Like they're, it takes a lot to, to get them there. Yeah. Efficiently. So, yeah, I think, so what I'm always torn with is you have these options of oversink the screw and use wood putty to cover it, oversink the screw and then use a wood plug to cover it. Yep. Or have the screw heads show yep. showing. Obviously having them showing is way more time efficient, but then you also have to be conscientious about your pattern. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of the deck screws are kind of like in unpredictable coated colors or they're in that weird sort of gold plated thing that looks nasty. Some super shiny zinc or stainless ones look amazing. I love stainless steel starhead screws into like a softer wood it looks fantastic and the stainless is so soft that you can sand it flush to the wood and it like it actually takes off any markings on it and it just looks really clean the problem is stainless steel is so freaking soft that it's so easy to shear the head off the screw and then you have like a good 20 minutes of frustrating activity yeah so i kind of want to make some really nice like powder coated screws that have a bigger head, star head finish, and there's like the washer is basically built in. They're meant to be seen and they'll look kind of like rivets on jeans. Like the rivets on, you know, denim jeans were really just to like add strength, but they also became a decorative feature. So why can't, if we make fancy screws, those also be that? Exactly. It's plywood engine. Yeah. So I don't think I want to do like a stainless one, but I want to do them in cool kind of like powder coated finishes like the deck screws, but intentional colors. Definitely. All right. Next question. This was kind of a multi-parter that they asked since there's a a limited space that you can type in on the Instagram box, but they're basically asking, what is it about your setup? So like the way you have your workspace set up that works for you and why wouldn't our each other's work for the other person? Chris wins the workshop battle. Chris has the workshop that you don't waste time okay, so then, doing things other than building, cutting, assembling, and cleaning up. Well, you, Chris has a setup. We just have stuff <laughs> yeah. in rooms. What? We <laughs> are the prototype for people that are doing it on the weekend. Like we're doing it in the driveway, or we have we have we have a we have a filming setup in the driveway at Maker Ranch. We have a back porch setup. We have the studio built in in what is a living room, but we turned it into a whole kind of workshop studio. And then we have a couple of auxiliary spaces around as well. It's definitely not conducive to filming the way Chris's shop is, but the twist of irony is I think it's relatable. Like when I watch my videos, it looks like what I would expect other people to be building in. And right. so when people see my stuff, I think they're already familiar with, you know, the tools I use and the and what this space feels like. Mm-hmm. It's not right. it's not walking into it's DIY appropriate. It's not walking into a shop that's intimidating like Chris's. You know, they see his tools and they're like, whoa, wait a second. 
I, I must be nice. I'm yeah. I'm deep into a rabbit hole. I'm not like at the the trailhead. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Deep in the pocket hole. So is there anything about my setup that you guys think wouldn't work for you or just more like the relatable aspect? No, it would work aspect? amazing. Dude, it would be amazing. I yeah. would just build different stuff. Like I I think this is the thing to I just adapt to what I have in front of me, right? Like it's not that I'm building exactly the things I want. When I was in the Autodesk space, which is has every tool in the world, I built different things. When I'm in my Boston loft and space is compromised, I built things that reflected that. When I'm out in Joshua Tree, I built more outdoor stuff and more stuff out of steel. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's, I think it's kind of like football coaches where the really dumb coaches think that like, oh, I have this system. I have to find the players that fit my system. And the reason why we're not winning as many games as we should be is because these players don't fit my system. Whereas like the really great coaches are just like, oh, my system should be make the most with what I have. Right. And I think that's the way, you know, I, I try to approach it at least is when I have a CNC, I'll do a CNC project. <laughs> when I have a drill, circular saw and orbital sander, I'll make stuff with that. I always If I get a bunch of great hardwood, I'll use that. Or if not, I'll use cheap stuff. I always think about that. Like, you know, you hear people talk about basketball and like, Oh, for a while, the trend was everyone's going small ball because the Warriors did it so well. And now that the Lakers won with a pretty big team, well, you got to get those big. It's like, well, that only works if you have small ball works because you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all these like one of a kind players that are so yeah. good at what they do. And so I always think of basically what Ben was just saying. And to be Ben, I always like to make a food analogy of like, if you're a good chef, you you adapt, you make a recipe based on what you have. Like if you have peanut butter and jelly, you're going to make a really shitty pizza. Although it might be good. Right. I would eat that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ad- adapt to the environment that's around you and then get the most out of it. So when you, you don't want to copy somebody else's layout or system or get the same tools they have. What you want to understand is, did they make the most with what they have? That's the kind of thing you should emulate. Because you should look at the concepts they use to get the most out of their resources so that you can get the most out of yours. Because that's going to get you, that's going to put you in a situation where you're you're activated and you're learning and you're making stuff, not waiting until you have enough money to get that, you know, that fancy uh, festival stuff that Chris mm. has. Yeah. And it's not like you're not going to make unique things, you know, talking to right. the listener. You're just going to make something with the capacity that your tools allow. But it's still going to yeah. be unique. It's still going to be your ideas. And it's still going to be something that you're probably proud of. Indeed. Or just so disappointed in that you buy an expensive tool. <laughs> but go. then, yeah. you know, we're That'll in Chris's driving shop. Force. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Who was your celebrity crush as a kid? You guys have Jennifer one? Aniston. That was so it. hot. So hot. Yeah. Like since I was like five. <laughs> nice. I, I would say for me, she it was could probably- still get it, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't think mine could anymore, but it was... Uh, Lois from Lois and Clark, Terry Hatcher. I don't know what that is. It was a Superman show in the mid 90s. Oh, okay. Got it. Cool. I'm trying to think like, who did we like? I'm trying to think of like the eighth grade level, like on who Maybe we like all a thought Jenny was really McCarthy hot. or something. No, I always thought she was trash. <laughs> uh, still do. Well, yeah. <laughs> a little heavy on the eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. She's ooh. just obnoxious. I know. It was, I think it was probably Cindy Crawford was like the. The, the the big one yeah. in, when I was young. Why am I blanking on her name from The Mask? Oh, Cameron Diaz. <laughs> yes, when she was yeah. in The Mask, man, I was like, oh man, she's the hottest girl ever. And I just love myself some Jim Carrey. 
Yeah, she was a good combination of what the girl next couple. door and like a little alternative, you know, because she had the short kind of hair, you know. All right. You know what's weird? You know what's weird though about like sitcoms and TV shows though is like even the people that are supposed to be like the quirky friend in real life compared to normal oh, people yeah. are really good looking. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like the best looking person that you went to high school with it was the nerd really in the high like, school on the TV show. No, but in the t- right in the TV show would just be kind of like the quirky friends. Yeah. That's why the office is so great. I say this all the time when I need to defend the office. They cast real looking people. They cast real looking people that like weren't even really actors. I think half of them like right. were involved in the production and then just got looped into it. What halfway. Talking about, man? Kevin's a hunk. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's, hot, Kevin's famous chili. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like scooping it back in off the carpet. It's probably the thing that I do best. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, what, what are you guys next? obsessed with this week? Mm. Oh, I'm going to shout out a, a couple Rockler desks. Me too. Is awesome. We didn't get to. Yet? Yeah. So here's, so here's where Instagram is at. They're still really scared that people will talk to each other about the election. Don't you and dare. Share each other's opinions. So on hashtags, stories are not updated, but the chronological feed is there. Or I'm sorry, the, the sort of explore feed is still there. So we're not seeing people's stories that they're posting, and I am super apologetic to anybody's story that we've missed, but we are now able to see all of your feed posts, which is the important stuff and the stuff that's there permanently. So what do you guys got? What are some projects to highlight? So I'm going to give a shout out to our girl, Erin Spain. Boom. Check her out on Instagram. She welded up some very cool, like custom, but more advanced hairpin legs with some really nice geometry and built a very nice kind of like credenza slash desk. Aaron's an awesome sort of blogger, does a lot of cool DIY projects. And yeah, it's cool to see her really taking her welding, which she's still, you know, relatively new to, but mixing it in with her other sort of DIY stuff. So shout out to Aaron Spain. Let me see what her Instagram is. At Aaron Spain blog. Aaron Spain blog on Instagram. But they came out super clean. And that is one of the coolest parts about welding is you can take something and then grind everything until you do get a good smooth result. And then once you paint it, it might as well be a production piece. You know, it's so easy to sort of clean up all your mistakes and make something that looks fire. Chris, what do you got? You go first, Mike. Okay. This week I am going to be shouting out at once upon a workbench. He made a desk quite a while ago, and I don't know if it was the whole Instagram problems we were talking about before. I hadn't seen this project, even though it had been posted for a couple of weeks, and he built a really, really just clean, clean live edge desk, but did some cool inlays. Like he threw his his logo into it, a couple of other things, and it's just clean execution and one of those super solid projects. I'm going to go with actually kind of a similar one. The guy's name's David Knapp, and It's kind of like a live edge top also, but it has a sort of modern-ish... So it's basically a big long desk, legs pushed all the way to the ends, two drawers, one on either side. So kind of writing desk with a little bit of storage, but like looks very long, at least in the picture, unless maybe it's only 10 inches tall or something, but I doubt it because that would be not very usable. But it's just like real clean looking, just has a... Kind of like a familiarity, but a little bit different from like something that you're used to seeing. So, right. It's an interesting mix of like rustic and kind of modern, but not quite either. What do you call it then, Chris? Rodern. Mustache. Uh, that, was, 
There you go. I like it. It's almost yeah. mustard. It's kind of a callback to earlier in the episode. Mustic. There you all go. right, everybody. Well, we appreciate all the questions. We got some good ones this week. I think we were able to provide some decent advice as well as just like a couple of funny answers. So keep those coming and we will pick the best ones to use for the show. If you would give the show a five-star review on your app of choice, we would appreciate it big time. It just lets that app know that we're a good show and to suggest us to people that listen to similar content. Otherwise, keep those Rockler Test challenges coming. The challenge closes on the 30th of this month. What does that mean? The clock is ticking. We're down to the wire. Use that Thanksgiving weekend. Use that extra time to get the project wrapped up and your project submitted. All you have to do is post a picture, video on Instagram or YouTube using the hashtag Rockler Desk Challenge, and you are in. So thank you, everybody. Thanks to the sponsors, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye. Later. And if you want to send me your five favorite desks from the Desk Challenge, DM me. I'm curious to see what some of you all think. Oh, that is actually a good... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can use a lot of that for our honorable mentions, for the ones that we mm-hmm. don't use, you know, because we'll make our list, but then we can also make sure that yeah. everybody is well represented. Send it to all three of us. Give five. Awesome. Like like it's my space. <laughs> like it's my Isn't space. Keep it to five. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Later. Yeah, yeah. All right. Bye.